What's poppin' people? Welcome. Oh my gosh, it's a gnat. Immediately, they're already coming after me. But welcome back to Sunday School. Sunday School is a show where we read through the Bible and we try to understand what God's Word means and how we can apply it to our lives. And I'm really going to be bothered by these bugs today. So we've been reading through the Book of Romans, which is a book in the Bible. And the topic of this book is the Gospel. And the Gospel, according to Paul, who's the author of the Book of Romans, is that Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross and that essentially he went to hell in our place. See, all people, they have sinned. They have fallen short of the glory of God, right? They've done something wrong. And as we know, evil people, they're going to go to hell. But the problem is that all people have done something wrong. And so by that logic, by that standard, all people would go to hell. So Jesus came, sent by God, to fix this problem, to give people a second chance, to give people the ability to go to heaven because if he doesn't, you know, all people are going to be condemned to hell. And so Jesus ultimately takes the punishment for our sins so that we do not have to take the punishment. He goes to hell so we don't have to. He dies so we don't have to. That's the message of Christianity. That is the gospel. But many, many, many people have a grave contention with this message. They're very upset by this. Even though it's clearly what the Bible says, they'll make up all kinds of excuses not to believe it. And the main thing that people bring up to go against what is called penal substitutionary atonement or the belief that Jesus took the punishment for our sins so that we wouldn't be punished, the main argument they bring up is they say that this belief is just an excuse to sin. They say that if all that's required to get to heaven is that we believe in what Jesus did on the cross and that we don't have to stop sinning, we don't have to repent, we don't have to do anything but that. And that's giving you free license to go on and continue sinning because whether you sin or not sin, it's not going to make you lose your salvation. Your salvation is not in any way based upon you being a good person. If this is true that Jesus died for us and that all we have to do is put our faith in him, then you'd be an idiot to not be the most degenerate piece of in the world. Stealing, raping, killing, masturbating, all kinds of evil things, doing drugs. Because as in their mind, since there's no more punishment for sin, because Jesus took that punishment, there is no reason to stop sinning. There is no reason to abstain and not sin. But Paul says otherwise. See, many people say that faith alone, this concept that all we have to do is believe in Jesus and that he died for us, that it's a totally new original belief that only came around in like the 1400s with the Protestant Reformation. And that before that point, no one believed in this belief. But clearly this is not true because in Romans chapter 6, Paul has to go through and answer the same stupid contentions that people to this day still bring up about the faith alone belief, the sola fide position. At the beginning of chapter 6, Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? 
And that is the age-old question that everyone comes against true Bible believers with. They ask them, what, should we just keep sinning since we're saved by grace? Since we don't have to stop sinning to be saved? And Paul asks this rhetorically and he answers this question. And he says, God forbid. God forbid. He says that no. This is not an excuse to keep on sinning. And of course, you know, the faith plus works, repent of your sins or perish crowd, they're going to be relieved, right? Because Paul's agreeing with them that you can't just keep sinning and still be saved. But the thing is, Paul's not saying in this chapter that if you live in willful sin that you're going to go to hell. Paul says something that is much more offensive and unbelievable, to be honest. He says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He says here that we are dead to sin. And what does that mean? And so as he goes on through chapter six, he talks about the true meaning of baptism and how what's happening when we get dunked into the water, when we're baptized, is this is symbolism for us being buried in the ground with Jesus after he was crucified. And Paul says that in the eyes of God, we are dead. I am a dead person. I am not alive. In God's eyes, I have already been punished for my sins. And he says that because of this, because I am already dead to sin, I've already died for my sins, I've already gone to hell, I've already been punished in the eyes of God, that because of this, it is impossible to sin. He says that sin will not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. He says that if you are a Christian, sin will not have dominion over you. You will not sin. Now, this is a very strange belief. It's a belief that most Christian churches will not teach you. When Baptists are asked this question about whether or not the gospel is an excuse to sin, Baptists will say, hell yeah. They say that it's impossible for us to stop sinning, that we're going to be sinning for the rest of our lives, and that God just doesn't care anymore. And while most Christians would disagree with Baptists that God doesn't care about our sins, they all agree that it's impossible to stop sinning. Most Christians believe that no matter what, you're going to keep sinning for the rest of your life. There's no solution to this. We're all sinners. And that we basically just have to keep asking for forgiveness over and over and over and over again to make sure that we're saved. And we still might not get saved because we'll forget some of our sins. But Paul says that if you are a Christian, you will not sin. And this is a very scary belief. This is something that's very offensive to even me. And I have a hard time believing this, to be honest. But this is what the Bible says. And so I'm going to tell you what Paul says. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. So he's restating the question in a new way because he just said in verse 14, sin will have no dominion over you, right? So you will not be controlled by sin. You will not be able to, you will not be able to sin. At least that's what it seems to say to me. You know, the concept of sin having dominion over you. Dominion is like when a king 
has control over the country. A president has control over the United States. That's dominion. A mayor has control over a town. A principal has control over a school, right? That's dominion. Sin will not have dominion over you. So that seems to be saying to me that sin will not control you. You will not be a slave to sin anymore. You're set free. You will not sin. And he says the reason for this is because we are no longer under the law, but under grace. Being under the law is being under the Ten Commandments, right? Being under the 613 commandments in the Old Testament that say, if you do this sin, you'll go to hell. If you do that sin, you'll go to hell. If you kill someone, you'll go to hell. If you rape someone, you'll go to hell. If you lust after a woman, you'll go to hell, right? That's the law. That's, that's what being under the law is. But Paul says, we are not under the law, but we are under grace, right? And this word grace is in reference to the free gift that salvation is a free gift that we do not deserve to go to heaven, right? We don't have the money to purchase our way into heaven. We don't have the good works to get to heaven, but instead we're getting it for free. But of course, the most people who are believers, most Christians, and in the case of the book of Romans, most Jews, they're deeply offended by the statement, we are not under the law. Right, because the law is a list of ordinances. It's a list of commandments. Don't do this sin. Don't do that sin. And so if we're not under the law, does that mean that we're just allowed to sin? But Paul says once again, God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are who you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Right, so Paul's making a statement here that whoever you obey is your master. Right, he's talking about the slave-master relationship, the worker-boss relationship, the employee-employer relationship, right? And he's saying, right, if you listen to someone and you do everything that they say, they have control over you. They are your boss and you are their servant. So if you obey sin, you are the servant of sin. If you obey God, you are the servant of God. But God be thanked that you were servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Right, so we got to remember that the book of Romans is not written to you and me. Right, the book of Romans was a letter written to the blossoming church in Rome. Now, while most of the book of Romans is applicable to us, it is not all applicable to us because we are not the original intended audience of this letter. The church in Rome in like 70 AD was the original intended audience. And he says to them that you were the servants of sin. And that's applicable to us. We were the servants of sin. But he says to the Romans, but you have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which was delivered to you. So he's saying to the Romans that, thank God, you stopped serving sin and you obeyed the doctrine that was delivered to you. You believed in the gospel. Now, the reason that I bring up that this was not originally written to us is because this does not necessarily apply to the reader, 
right? So like someone can read the Bible and this does not necessarily apply to them. If you're an atheist who doesn't believe in God, then this isn't going to apply to you, right? And if you're a Christian, but you don't actually like believe what the Bible says, this isn't going to apply to you. This is only going to apply to people who like Rome, like the church that was in Rome has believed that Jesus went to hell in our place, that he took the punishment for our sins. But if you believe in what Jesus did on the cross, you will be made free from sin and become the servants of righteousness. He continues, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants unto uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. So he gives a commandment to us, right? And he says to us, just as you used to yield your body, yield yourself as a servant to sin, he's now commanding us to serve righteousness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. And what fruit had you in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and becoming servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So as I've said, Romans chapter 6 is one of my least favorite chapters in the Bible if I had to pick one. I really don't like it. I find it very troubling because what it's saying just inherently is troubling. I still sin. I think most Christians still sin. But this makes the statement that Christians cannot sin. And my best understanding of this, how does this work? What is happening here? Is that the gospel, this concept that God loves us, that God truly cares about you. When you truly realize that, you will want to please God. You will want to do the right thing because God has adopted you into his family. He, he has become your father. You have become his son. And so rather than trying to please God out of this fear of condemnation, instead, we try to please God out of hope that God will be proud of us. That this fear, this fear-based system of trying to get people to do the right thing, it doesn't work. This fear of hell does not truly work. It is not sufficient to get people to stop sinning. But when this condemnation is taken away, that's when we can truly start turning away from our sins. And I don't think that this is an instantaneous process. I don't think that you're just going to instantly just never sin again. I don't think that you're going to be perfect. But I do believe when you accept God into your life, when you accept him as your master, as your father, 
and you care about what God thinks because he's done so much for you that you will start to obey him the same way that you would obey your father out of love, not out of fear. And that's my best understanding of it. And I don't think it's a complete understanding because I don't know that it perfectly lines up with everything that Romans 6 is saying. Again, I I try to say this pretty frequently throughout the Sunday School series, but I am not perfect. I do not have a perfect understanding of the Word of God. And as it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, you should not try to interpret on your own what the Word of God is saying. You should not rely on a teacher. You should not rely on any individual, even your own mind to understand. As it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, don't rely on your own understanding. Rely on God. And so we should be taking all the things that we read in the Bible and turning to God and asking God for understanding. I think that listening to other people is necessary in some sense because number one, God could be answering your prayer through another person. And number two, because if you've never read the Bible before and you don't believe in God, you need someone, a person to, you know, deliver the message to you, right? Or you're never going to believe. But ultimately, Christianity is about a relationship with God. It's about being accepted by God and being able to turn to God because of what Jesus did for you. And so, As a believer, you can turn to God and God will reveal things to you. But I'm going to be honest in this episode and say that I do not have a perfect understanding of what this chapter, its full meaning is. And I'm not going to lie and act like I'm all-knowing or something. But one last thing that I'd like to point out before we end the episode is the final verse of chapter 6, which is verse 23. And I think verse 23 is a great explanation of the entire gospel. It's it's entirely summarized in just one sentence. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, the fact is all religions teach this and everyone knows this deep down that sinners, evil people, people who do evil things go to hell. And the fact is that all of us, we've all sinned. And by that standard, we all deserve to go to hell. But God has given us a gift. And that gift is that in spite of our sins, we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that's all. Thanks for watching. And I'll see you next time.